some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch. That means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. Ryan Albany's behind the glass, spinning the dials, radio style for me tonight. He will take your phone calls at 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. And I imagine we may take some calls tonight. Topic is obvious, of course, but more obvious than anything. Got to start with this. I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. I hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your life. And as always, and I've had a few people take advantage of this over the past couple of weeks that that really, and they did it almost immediately. It would happen within 10 or 15 minutes, and I would be reading it during a commercial break and then would try to get to them later. And I promise I will get to you. But my DMs are always wide open at Jmart Zone, whether you follow me or not, uh, for a faith-based communication and a conversation that, that maybe you need to have. So here's the quote from earlier today from Marcus Mariota. Until the day that I die, I'm going to believe I gave it all I got. No matter what, I can learn and grow from this situation. This isn't going to bring me down. This isn't going to end my career. I had an opportunity to play, but I didn't make the most of it. I'm going to learn and grow from it, unquote. So I got to be honest. I am torn on this quote because the first and the penultimate sentences that I just read to you seem to be contradictory. And I'm going to grant Marcus some leeway here because I'm sure he's bummed out and he's emotional over what's happened. This is not how it was supposed to be. This ain't how it was supposed to go down. This is not how this was supposed to happen. That has to be what he's thinking or at least what he's battling. And the reason I know that's probably what he's thinking is because it's what I would be thinking. It's what I have thought at times in my life, and it's exactly what we all would be thinking and have thought at times during our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcus Mariota was the number two pick in the NFL draft five years ago, and he left the University of Oregon wielding a Heisman Trophy that he left with that university. He didn't win a national championship, but he was awfully close. He seemingly had everything you could want, and anybody who plays football, you would imagine at least, would dream of being a high draft pick. But as I go back again, listen to the first sentence. Until the day that I die, I'm going to believe I gave it all I got. I believe Mariota gave it all he had as well. But listen to the next to last sentence. 
I had an opportunity to play, but I didn't make the most of it. Marcus, if you didn't make the most of it, does that not essentially mean you did not give it all you had? I'm going to leave that question just kind of floating out there for a second. Here's how I read all of this. Marcus, internally, is trying to explain to himself why this did not go like he pictured it, not like the framed piece of artwork in the gallery. And so he's saying one thing, and then he's almost crossing that out with a Sharpie marker and saying something else. Because, folks, in life, when we don't understand something, how often do we find ourselves running in circles, going through the same set of facts or the same basic options, trying to figure it out? Until it's clear, we're looking for an answer. And I've mentioned this in the past. One of the reasons we internally love to see a criminal get caught, whether it's a murderer or a violent criminal, you want to see that person named, and then you want to see him in custody is that once that happens, we know the end of a very unsettling mystery. Nothing is more frightening, nothing is more unnerving, and at times more infuriating than, for for instance, the Zodiac Killer or the unsolved heinous crime. That person's still on the loose. We have no idea who that person is. And I've talked about this on the Pop 6, my pop culture podcast I do with Brad Willis here at the station, And I've written about this at times in the past as well. One of the two most frightening films that I've ever seen and scenes in a film that I've ever seen is in David Fincher's Zodiac film in the kind of second crime that the Zodiac killer commits where he just shows up wearing, you know, all black to that newlywed couple where we assume that's, you know, enjoying an afternoon on a picnic blanket. And he just comes up there and just viciously murders them. And there's no explanation as to why. You don't understand it. It's just because he could. That's just frightening beyond belief. Even more frightening. Right there in that same way, there's no motive. You remember The Strangers? Film came out a little over a decade ago. Why did they do it? Their response is probably one of the most emotionally affecting things you can hear in a horror film. You can keep your penny wise and you can keep your Friday the 13th and all that. And this is the right month to be having this conversation. But their response as to why they terrorized this family and tried to kill them all was because you were home. When it's a spousal dispute or when it's something about money, okay, I get it. It's still terrible, but at least I can piece together a cause. But a mass murderer because you were home, okay, now we've got a problem. Now the hairs are standing up on the back of my necks because, folks, We need clarity in life. Throughout late 2017 and all of 2018, that was my existence. I prayed dutifully for clarity in my professional life and in my personal life as well. I wanted to know the end of the story. I wanted to know if my team was going to win in the end or if we were going to lose in all these various things. And for me, only one person held and holds those answers. So I read what Marcus said. As a guy who's searching for clarity right now in why this has happened, why his time with the Titans hasn't been what he hoped and what he probably felt like it should be and probably what he assumed that it would be. Because the tough thing about life, ladies and gentlemen, is that we don't know what's coming. But you know what the great thing about life is? 
we don't know what's coming. The entire concept of spoilers centers around not ruining a story or, or a movie or a game or whatever it is, a show, by telling somebody what's going to happen before the fact. It's a big deal. You can really tick people off. There's like unwritten rules, even in radio. It's like, hey, we shouldn't talk about this. It's only been a couple of days since the movie went out. I mean, we do the Pop 6 podcast, and we did the Joker, and Brad was still reticent for us to go into the, into the story even after we had given a spoiler warning off the top because we didn't want to upset people because you can wreck somebody's day by telling them the end of Avengers Endgame if they haven't had a chance to see it. You have to warn them. And what we can at least to some degree control isn't what's going to happen always, but at least how we prepare ourselves for the unexpected. And this is not a perfect science because we can't always be prepared. But the better equipped we are in those areas, the wiser we are, the more prudent we are in those arenas, the better we are in terms of reacting to them. And this may drive Marcus Mariota to new heights, even though I have my doubts on that, because here's the thing. I 100% agree with Marcus in his statement. Until the day that I die... I'm going to believe I gave it all I got. Not for a second do I think that's not true. And I'm not even being cynical about this, folks. I don't just believe he thinks he gave it all he had. I believe he has given it all he has. But here's the thing. And here's where Mariota's clarity might come from if things don't turn around in his career, whether that happens here in the Music City or elsewhere. Just because you gave it all you had that does not dictate that all you had was necessarily good enough. Recall me months back after Tiger won the Masters because the reaction to it was, if you work hard enough, you can accomplish anything, which is also a line from George McFly in Back to the Future. But I talked about that quote being dangerous, that thought being dangerous, that if you preach the idea that if you – work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be, then you're just setting someone up for crushing disappointment and despair because it's simply not true. If you push the concept, you have to focus on the word can. You can be anything you want to be if you work hard enough because at least that's far different than using the word will. One is a possibility. The other is way more concrete. And as hard as it is, and as hard as I might want to be an NFL quarterback, that's not going to happen, folks. And if I practice my entire life and done nothing but devote myself to that craft, the chances are still less than 1%, maybe less than half a percent that I ever could have even made it to the NFL draft or even in college football. And I'm not saying don't work hard and don't strive to achieve. It just means be realistic about the factors you can't control that are going to ultimately determine whether you can pull off something or not. Santa might not bring that bike this year. Maybe. And I hope so when I'm a kid. But I can't just make it magically appear under that childhood tree. Even if I try as hard as I can, even if I write 15 lists a day, it doesn't necessarily mean that because there's factors outside of my control. So Mariota gave it all he had but here's the question i have for all of you listening to me tonight was all he had good enough is all you have good enough all the time because if your answer is yes i need you to pass me whatever it is you're drinking there are some people out there 
And this goes back to my Peter Principle argument from last week about Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Mason. There are some people out there whose best, the quote, all they have, all they got, unquote, is to be a backup on the high school JV team or to be the fourth chair tenor saxophone or to be the understudy. And that's not meant to discourage you. It's just having some level of perspective. We are all meant to do something in this life. We're all meant to be someone in this life. But in what? Often we don't get to choose. Mariota on Sunday was objectively, not subjectively, objectively terrible. He had a sub-50% completion percentage. He threw a pair of interceptions, bad ones. And the tendencies that he's shown throughout his career in Nashville from day one to day Sunday to October the 13th, they're still there. He can't throw consistently or barely at all outside the numbers. He's not accurate on short and intermediate routes. He's indecisive. He holds the ball too long. He takes unnecessary risks, and he gets hurt a little bit too often. Maybe his best somewhere else would be better. But these tendencies are not things that exist simply because the Tennessee Titans have failed him. In no way am I suggesting, or should anyone suggest that everything is on him. But when you play that position, when you play the glamour position in all of American sports, NFL QB1, the position, you will eventually, if not at first, you will eventually become the scapegoat. And whether that's fair is up to you. Because let's be real, the O-line stinks. Keith Carter has not done a good job at all with that unit. The wide receivers have been inconsistent. There's been a lot of coaching turnover. All of these things are accurate. But it does not mean that Marcus Mariota has been good enough. All of those things that I just said, they are true. There's been a lot of coaching turnover. There's a number of different things that you could list out here. All of those things are true. But here's what else is true. Marcus Mariota, whether giving it all he has or not giving it all he has, has not been good enough to continue in this job as QB1 of the Tennessee Titans at this point in time. I'd have taken him out at 6 nothing, not 13 nothing. But at some point, Mike Vrabel had to make the move, at least to see what a fresh face at that position might look like. Marcus contradicting himself this afternoon by saying he gave it all he had and then that he didn't make the most of his opportunity, it makes all the sense in the world, really, because Mariota can't make any sense in the world of what's gone wrong. So I ask one question to you. Has he been good enough? Here's another question for you. Whether you believe he gave it all he had or not, was there any reason for Mike Vrabel to die on the Marcus Mariota Hill any longer without at least attempting something different. 615-737-1045. Now, when we come back, we will take your phone calls on it. Ryan Albanese is fielding some right now. I see Megan's already on hold and a couple of other people are calling as well. And then we're going to talk about the new guy in that job and why the extreme viewpoints that we're now seeing on Twitter remain the most uninformed and by far the most problematic, and this goes way beyond sports. 615-737-1045. Off and run it. We'll be right back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back inside Friendly Confines and Zone Studios. Here in the Music City downtown, this is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. 
Told you we'd take some phone calls. We're about to do that. 615-737-1045. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. They're dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. So I laid out, if you missed any part of this, subscribe to The Big Six with Jason Martin via your podcast, Catcher of Choice. You can consume this show however you want, whenever you want, whatever capacity you want, how many times you want, whatever. Um, You can find that through pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And I laid out my thoughts on Marcus Mariota from a different perspective over the first 15 minutes of the show. And here was the question I asked right before the break, and then we'll get to these calls. I said, whether you believe he gave it all he had or not, which is what he said today, he will go to his grade basically saying that he gave it all he had. And I believe him. Was there any reason to die on the Marcus Mariota Hill any longer without trying to do something different if you're Mike Vrabel? It's not. Remember this also. And then we will get to these phone calls. In media, what you learn is, and these, this is kind of funny and then it's kind of sad. What you should do and what I've learned to do, and it takes some instruction. You don't criticize the performer. You criticize the performance. We There's no way to criticize the performer here. I mean, Mariota's one of the nicer guys in the history of the NFL. Talk to anybody, not just people in Nashville, even nationally. People hate that we have to say such negative things about the performance. Here's the part of it that's sad. There are people that have figured out that going after the performer is real lucrative and can make them a lot of money and can put them on prime time, on news channels and on sports channels and on debate shows, and that is a shame. We should not attack personally. We can attack and criticize professionally, but I'm not going after Marcus Mariota, the person, nor will I go after Ryan Tannehill, the person, or anybody else. I will say that even if he has given it his all, which I believe he has, that doesn't necessarily mean it's been good enough. And in fact, I know it has not been because I have a functioning set of eyes. All right, let's get to the phone calls. We'll start in Hermitage with Jay. He leads us off tonight here on 104.5 The Zone. Jay, what's up? Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. So listen, I've been listening to Sports Talk Radio in Nashville for a very, very long time, and I don't think I've heard a talking head or a uh, a radio host articulate a perspective as good and as well as that was just articulated. The, the, the first thing is perfect placement for the stranger's reference, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that movie is absolute gold. The, the scene where she turns her head to the side and says, because you were home is probably, it makes my skin crawl just thinking about it in the car right now. <laughs> Uh, but the more important thing is sometimes your best isn't good enough. Um, a lot of times your best isn't good enough. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the, uh, example from Charles Barkley, one of the greatest athletes, all that good stuff to, to ever grace the, to grace the court. And you, you often hear, uh, it, it makes me wonder when athletes say, well, he just wanted it more than the other guy. Mm. No, no, he didn't. He, he didn't want it more. There's, there's something, um, tangible that they can do that the other can't do. So Charles Barkley tells a story about the first game in the finals when he was with the Sun and how they lost the game. And he came out the second game and said, I'm not going to let us lose this game. I'm going to take this team on our shoulders and we're not going to lose. And they lost. And he said he went to the locker room and for the first time he looked himself in the mirror and said, 
that guy, talking about Michael Jordan, that guy's just better than I am. And there wasn't anything he was going to be able to do about it. And he knew in that moment that they were going to lose the series. So sometimes, man, your best just is not good enough. I'm going to hang up and listen. Appreciate it, Jay. And, yeah, I remember that story. I love Barkley, too. And here's and he also says this a lot of times. He says, sometimes you just have to tip your cap to the other guy. That's another way to say the exact same thing. There are times when you play perfect defense and that dude still catches a touchdown with one hand. Odell might be better than your best defense. You might be blanketing him. You might have P.I. on him. You might be doing everything under the sun and illegal things, and he might still be better than you are. That's just the way it is. We're not, and I said this about Derek Mason and about Jeremy Pruitt because I still think they're defensive coordinators masquerading as head coaches. Some people are just not head coaches. If I got into politics, I'm not always going to be the president. If I got into music, I'm not going to win American Idol. If I got into music, I'm not going to headline the Ryman. I'm not going to be at the Bridgestone Arena. Maybe my best is exit in, or maybe my best is in front of 100 people at my church, whatever it might be. Your level is not dictated by how, how hard you work. Now, that might give you a better opportunity, but you have to be real cautious about what you anticipate is going to happen because, generally speaking, that's not how life works, folks. Steve is on the road. He's up next. Steve, what's up? Hey, Jason, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I do totally agree with you, but I think there's two aspects here that we have to look at okay. and maybe, maybe phrase it. I do agree with you 100%. Marcus's effort was was there. The results aren't. And if you look at Mike Brable, he has results to live up to and expectations that he has to live up to. And the fact of the matter is, Marcus was not meeting the expectations that his boss wanted. So he has to go in a different direction. You still with me? And... I, you know, it is sad. Like you said, you can't, you know, you can't beat Marcus up over it. But the bottom line is his best on any given Sunday is just not good enough or consistent enough is a better way to phrase it to get the results that we need. See, that's that's the thing. Any, and this is the thing about consistency as well. Anybody that can make it to the NFL level probably can play football. Doesn't mean they can play it on the NFL level, but it means they can play football. Not probably. They can. And anybody could show up with the right circumstances around them and win a game. You're not a franchise quarterback because you go 8-8. Eight eight. You're not a franchise quarterback because you go 7-9. You're not a franchise quarterback because you have this completion percentage or you hadn't thrown an interception. There are so many empty stats out there. The reason Tom Brady is Tom Brady, the reason... All the guys that you want to put on that list are on that all-time great list. Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, John Elway, Unitas. Go wherever you want with this. It's because they were consistent at the position and consistently they were one of, if not the largest reason for their team's success. Now apply that to Marcus and say, how often has that been true for him? The answer is not very often, I would say. 615-737-1045. Let's get one more in before this break. And if you're on hold, hang on. We will continue to take calls. Marlon and Murfreesboro is up next. Marlon, what's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Good. Hey, I'm just going to say, you know, hey, Marcus, he's a true, true uh, hard charger. I don't think that he should get all the blame. I think that the players need to look 
because the game we've only been in like four or five games so far this year. I just think Vabral, Vabral, uh, uh, just actually uh, um, get ready to start the guy that's going to get him fired. I think he's going to just start the guy that's going to get him fired. I honestly believe that. That's an interesting perspective. I think that he's giving off the impression. Look, he's trying to figure out what's wrong, and so he's going to try something. And that does not mean that the savior exists in Nashville. And that's where I want to go next. And I'm going to continue to take your calls. Kevin and Matt, hang with me. I want to read from The Athletic right now. Joe Rex wrote this in, in regards to the players looking themselves in the mirror. I want to read one paragraph, and then I'm going to read the second paragraph in the final segment of this show. This ends his piece today about Mariota and the Titans, which his stuff's just phenomenal. He writes, in the long term, I hope there's never a debate about what Mariota meant and gave to this team during his time as its starting quarterback. You can hear it every day from whoever you want to ask at the Titans facility. You could see it in Sunday in Denver when rookie receiver A.J. Brown approached Mariota in the locker room sobbing and apologizing for not giving him more help. That's respect. It doesn't just happen. Mariota isn't soft. He isn't weak. And though he is an outspoken, he is a leader. He hardly ever says anything interesting, at least to the outside world, but he is genuine. First off, that's well-written. Second of all, that's a rookie receiver pouring out his heart for somebody that he's just really gotten to know. That's who Marcus Mariota is. That's why we hate that we have to talk about this, but we have to look at it objectively, and we have to say, did this decision make any sense? Was his best good enough? That's the question that I'm asking. And and was there any reason to continue down this pathway without at least seeing what you have elsewhere before the season is completely lost, if it's not already? 615-737-1045. 737-1045. We will lead off with Kevin and Matt. Then we'll take another couple of calls as well. Then I want to talk to you about Ryan Tannehill and social media extremes. We'll be right back. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Wednesday night in the Music City. Feels like fall. I'm happy. Hope your October is going well. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. That's how you reach this program. We're talking about, well, of course we're talking about Marcus Mariota. It'll be Ryan Tannehill on Sunday against the Chargers, who are having troubles of their own, to say the least. And look, you have to separate how you feel about Mariota and how badly you wanted him to be the guy from the performance. And then you can evaluate it based on that. And if you have offensive line coaching changes, all those kinds of things that you want to, you know, put this piece of the pie of blame on, then you can do that. I'm going to ask one question and then we're going to get to these calls. And I was thinking about this based on Robert Mays and Kevin Clark. I heard them arguing about it a couple of days ago on their ringer podcast. What if you were to flip James Winston and Marcus Mariota and put Mariota with the weaponry in Tampa Bay and with Bruce Arians and bring James Winston here? What would be the changes? Well, the Titans would be no better, but how much better would Marcus Mariota be? I think that your answer to that question tells you exactly what you truly believe about Marcus Mariota. If you think that it's all because of the Titans, then the Tampa Bay Bucks should be no better or very small degree better or worse than they are right now. 
I mean, you think about Evans and Godwin and all of the guys that they have down there in the receiving game. And you think about Arians and what he's done in the past, especially when he has a quarterback. You put him on an offense like that. Do you believe that Marcus Mariota is a demonstrably better quarterback himself because of that? Or do you think that the deficiencies that we've seen here would carry over to those places? Whether it's Tampa or maybe you want to look at somewhere else. I'm not saying he has a ton of weapons here. But every year it's, oh, he's got better weapons. And then he's about the same or he's worse. And since the injury to the fibula, he has simply not been anywhere close to the guy that maybe some dreamed he would be prior to that Christmas Eve problem. Kevin and Mount Juliet waited patiently through the break. Let's take him first. Kevin, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, I, no, I don't think he'd be any better in Tampa. And the reason being, well, I don't know, Arians is a good coach. I think Marcus's biggest problem is his footwork. He doesn't step into a throw. He has no arm strength to get it outside the numbers. That's why he doesn't throw it. If he gets to a quarterback guru somewhere as a backup and they teach him how to use his feet properly, step into it like a pitcher, uh, and he gets his confidence back, be able to throw outside the numbers, timing pattern, I think it will be fine. I mean, personally, if I was a coach at Titans, first thing I'd have done when I got there was get a Kroger uh, cart filled with baseballs every day after practice and have him throw like a pitcher or have to step into the ball, step into the throw. Uh, but he's trying to throw everything with nothing but arm. He doesn't have that ability. Brett Farr, yeah, not him. All right. Thank you, Kevin. I don't know about the nuances of the mechanics. I know he's bad outside the numbers. He doesn't throw out routes very well. And since the injury in particular, he just, he seems like he gives up a little bit. And I don't mean gives up like his effort or anything like that, but I think he senses that a play is over before it is. But for some reason, he still has this mental block where he can't get rid of the football. And so he takes all these awful sacks as a result of that. I believe his name is Mangrum. He's in Smyrna. Mangrum, how are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, man. Hey, uh us throw this out there first. You know, you're my guy. We spoke, uh, I believe, was it last week or the week before when the Joker came out? Yeah. And I was, I was trying to get that out of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hey, listen, uh, not going to spoil anything for anybody who didn't see it, but uh, I, I, I didn't like it that much. I mean, on a mental health, Prospect, yeah, that's a good movie. But I'm, my Joker goes back to Jack Nicholson. Um, of course, what's his name? Christian Bale. That's my that's my Batman. Uh, those Jokers with Heath Ledger in that role. I just I, I wanted to throw that out there real quick because I know sure. we briefly touched on it. Sure. But uh, uh, you were spot on though when you said I wouldn't see it again. <laughs> um, but uh, back to football, um, I think to answer your question about Jameis Winston, if they switch route, um, I, nothing's going to change. Listen, uh, Mariota's cadence, I watch him under center. Uh, his release, I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. And I know the game speed in the NFL is much faster than college. Uh, he was a, a knockout quarterback in Oregon, right? Um, yeah. But... Uh, if you switch them, I don't think they have much of a difference. I think we got a really good offensive line. I just think they need to get it together. Um, you know, we got, you know, Kevin's back. So 
I'm, I wanted to call in and just say, you know, before the break, how happy I am that they finally made the switch, okay? Um, uh, you know I'm a big Patriots fan. Mm-hmm. So I don't like Tanner Hill, never has, but I'm going to tell you, this is going to be different. Even though he's been doing reps with the second team, um, you know, I heard his press conference earlier in midday uh, when Kowalski, he asked him a couple of good questions. Uh, Tanner Hill's a professional, man. He, I, 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 I think I'm going to – I think I'm going to root a little bit more for the Titans, man. I, I think that he's going to come in uh, week six, right? Jumping into week six? Uh, week seven. Yeah, week seven. Okay. Um, we're over, you know, the halfway, getting the halfway uh, mark. I think he's going to bring in uh, um, a good presence to that offensive line. And I, I believe he's a likable guy. Um Boy, he can get rid of that ball fast, and he can read. He can actually draw back, stand in the pocket, and look at his checkdowns. Okay, that's something Mariota struggled with. He, he Mariota scrambles and runs, and, and and he's too worried about the linebackers. And I think that uh, we just got a little bit more experience on our side, man. With Tannehill stepping up, um, now I'm going to hang up and listen to uh, what you think about that, man. I'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, appreciate it. Thank you for all those thoughts. Yep, you can always stop talk. talk. Uh, pop culture with me either via the phones at seven three seven one zero four five or on at Jmart Zone. I know we got some other callers. I do want to tell you what I think of Tannehill as it relates to social media in particular. An incident that happened on Sunday personally with me that just again reopened my eyes to what they've already been open to for a while. So I want to try and run through that and get to your phone calls. If you're on hold, stay there. This is when we wish we had more time on this show. But we'll get as much done as we can when we come back here on the Big Six on one zero four five the Zone. Back finishing up here on a Wednesday night in Music City. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to putting homeowners on the path of financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm going to try and get this Tannehill takeout and then take some phone calls. We've got four of them. We will continue this discussion on Friday. This is where we need a second hour or a third hour or a twelfth hour of this show. But so in comes Ryan Tannehill, right? He's the savior of the Tennessee Titans. I say that with my tongue firmly implanted in my cheek because hopefully there's no one within the sound of my voice that believes Tannehill is Tom Brady. He's not. We know this. He's a better backup than Blaine Gabbert. He has his strengths and his weaknesses, including being able to throw out routes and get rid of the football a little better than Marcus. But in no way is he going to be a long-term answer here, at least not based on the evidence we have now. On Sunday, I suggested on Twitter, as did many others, that there was nothing to lose by trying Tannehill out on Sunday and that it couldn't get any worse than what we were seeing. One guy decided it was time to go to bat for Mariota and accuse me of, quote, garbage takes, unquote. You can disagree with me or anybody else. You can even say they're garbage takes. But don't misrepresent what I'm saying. The response was that I thought Tannehill was Aaron Rodgers. That's what the guy said. And that I had no idea what I was talking about. Now, I don't know what in my tweet, which said basically he couldn't do any worse than Mariota was doing on Sunday, and that even if he did, who cares because the team's not very good, is in any way suggesting Ryan Tannehill is some kind of gridiron deity. This is what social media does, folks. And sometimes I get on this, you know, get behind this microphone and it turns into a pulpit. But social media creates bad arguments that never existed. And it gaslights and it pushes people away from one another because there's no time for reading. There's no time for comprehension. There's certainly no time for nuance. 
Did I think it was time to consider Tannehill after watching that first half? Absolutely, yes, because I have a functioning pair of eyes, and I watched Mariota look unfit to be an NFL quarterback at that stage on that day in Denver. Does that mean I'm endorsing Tannehill for a five-year deal or even a one-year extension? Of course not. How long does Marcus Mariota, though, get to keep a gig when his team is 2-4 and four with a defense that's given up 15.3 points per game? That defense, that deserves to be a part of a 5-1 and one team or at worst a 4-2 and two team. You can blame whatever else you want, but if you don't acknowledge that a large part of your problem does reside at the starting quarterback spot, you're in the tank and your objectivity has long since left the building. Folks, we have to start operating, and this is the way it should always be, We have to operate based on what we know in this world. We have to look at situations. We have to evaluate the facts after we collect them, and then we have to make decisions or we have to formulate opinions. What I know of Ryan Tannehill says he's not a franchise quarterback, that the Dolphins let him go rather than finding a way to keep him. What I know of him says he can win some games if he's healthy and he can play in this league. What I know of Marcus Mariota, he's inconsistent. He's benefited from an all-time character, intangibles for miles, but a guy that does not scare opposing defenses. I think I know he's an 8-8 eight and eight kind of quarterback. I think I know he can win when things are going well, but he's not going to be the sandbags that protect your riverbank from flooding over. And here's something else I know, and this one's going to sting. I know the Tennessee Titans are not making the playoffs this year because the loss to Buffalo and 0-2 start in the AFC South and a pretty tough upcoming schedule, that's too much. That's going to leave them missing a wild-card berth. Buffalo's going to get one of those wild-card berths. Their schedule's cake, and they already beat you head-to-head. The Titans are the fourth-best team in a four-team division. Their offense is in disarray. There's blame to go all around, believe me, I know. But here's the biggest thing that I know. Whether it's Marcus Mariota or it's Ryan Tannehill under center, especially with this O-line that's playing this badly, I know the Tennessee Titans don't have the quarterback of their future on their roster. Tannehill is 31, Marcus is 25, but neither of them is the answer. This season, to me, it feels too late. But you've got to throw something new at the wall to see if it's going to stick. Marcus might be back in by week eight. Who knows? He certainly may prove to be the far better player this season. But what exactly do you have to lose right now? And think about this about Mariota. And this is a compliment that might actually harm him in this particular aspect his character would tell you he's not going to mentally check out or quit on the scene he's going to support Tannehill and even if he's called into action he's going to in his own words give it all he has that's how he's made so Vrabel doesn't even risk losing him and even if he did I don't know how big a loss it is here nobody wants to see Marcus fail nobody or at least I hope not But people have to stop reading more into what's said than what's said. This guy replies to me on Sunday saying he's tired of people thinking Ryan Tannehill is some kind of savior. Who exactly thinks that? This is what I'm talking about. I need you desperately in your life to put away your devices, to turn off your phones, to put away all screens that could be in front of you and consider what's actually taking place rather than the fake argument in your daydreams. Nobody thinks that. Maybe people hope it's going to get better. Maybe. But it's just a move that you had to make on that day. And even if you don't feel like you had to, if you don't feel like Vrabel needed to make this move, it's at least understandable, right? I mean, you have to be able to admit that much. So slow your roll. 
attempt to understand things on a macro level for a change. And don't just get offended personally by something that never even happened in the first place. Live your life off technology. Walk around and then determine, if you've done this for a few weeks, whether or not you're still going to assume the worst of everybody's opinion you encounter. Because that is a function of what you read. And what you read, that ain't even real. It builds up these straw man arguments. And it's garbage. And it's got to come to an end. It drove me nuts on Sunday. Nobody's saying Ryan Tannehill's a long-term answer for this football team. Why would anybody do that? It's not any kind of clear deal. But you have to try something because you're 2-4 and four and your quarterback looked like a deer in the headlights on Sunday in Denver. Now, that's not a bad defense, and that's a tough place to play. Yes, you can go all through that. He doesn't have weapons firing. He's got another new coordinator. He's got injuries. He's got whatever that you want to point to. He hadn't been good enough to maintain this job unfettered without ever being challenged, without ever being put on the bench. And maybe you put him back in, he's inspired, and he plays the best football of his life. I don't think that's the end of the world for you either. But for all of the Mariota fans out there, I'm sorry we didn't get to all these calls. We'll, we Call us back on Friday. I promise we'll take, you, take some calls then. I got a stat for Mariota fans they're going to like. Here's a fun little stat for Mariota fans to make you smile. If you remember, he beat the Jags. He was down 32-28, 87-yard touchdown run in December of 2015. That run, still today, stands as the third longest game-winning touchdown run in NFL history. Now, the game didn't end right there, but that was the game-winning score. Only two better, Oakland's Kenny King went 89 yards to beat the Chargers in 1980, and the 49ers' Garrison Hurst, name we haven't heard in a while, went 96 to beat the Jets in overtime also over 20 years ago. Regardless of what happens for the rest of his career here or elsewhere, and certainly I wish him the absolute best in whatever that is. That's still an awesome memory. That's a cool list for Marcus Mariota to be on. Ball calls is next. I'll see you Friday night. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from Nashville.